This is Paul Lam, and you're listening to the Path Hunters Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you unleash the beast from within so you can fearlessly pursue your own path and passion. Join me on this weekly journey filled with inspiring stories and actionable contents. Become a Path Hunter today. What's going on, fellow Path Hunters? Hope you guys are doing great today. My favorite song that I'm listening to recently over and over and over again at the gym, it's uh, Pray For Me by Kendrick Lamar and The Weeknd. And that song held so much content and like just so much, so much, such a powerful song. I just can't believe just Kendrick Lamar has been like really shaken up in the whole entire music industry. And I know that he will continue to do that because... There's just, he wants to set an example and I believe in that so much so. And that brings in today's guest as well too. We're going to talk a little bit about today's guest as well. But before we're going to go into that, I want to let you guys know some amazing, amazing news here. And it's that my birthday is May 2nd and it's it's this Wednesday. So you guys are going to hear it on Tuesday, but my birthday is coming up and I'm turning 28 years old and I'm just amazed and, and just shocked by the amount of, of, just the growth that I do, I've been reflecting on. The other flip side is that I, instead of making this about me, I started a campaign at Charity Waters to go and, and help. My goal is to get a hundred people on board and that, so a hundred people, um, with clean water. And that is about $3,000 USD. And my goal is to hit that because, you know, last couple years ago, I was, I was in Vietnam. I fed about 50 people at the time with $300 and that, just felt so good and I really want to double that number personally myself and so I've been starting up this campaign and I want to let you guys know as well too on the, on the podcast as well that you guys can find the information on the, the charity at um, my.charitywaters.org slash um, Paul Lamb to I'm going to put it on it's such a long link who made this link um, I'm going to put this into the description so so you guys can find that um, yeah guys so if you guys look on your phones right now wherever you guys are listening is to check out the description as well too, to, to hear about the information of the episode and then I'm going to link it up in there as well too or check out pathhunters.com or my Instagram as well too it's on there as well too and I've been so passionate about this more than ever before because it's all about giving back right so this is ties into today's guest as well too. Um, I have her here an executive coach, international acclaimed speaker who has received national attention for her innovative works on, on social media, entrepreneurship. And it's so cool. And she started, she's the founder of the non-for-profit of Ryan Banks Academy and out of, based out of Chicago. And I can't even tell you how amazing she is because like she is like literally what I see as women empowerment. She can change the world if she wants to. She is. And, and, it's just crazy because 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 I find her so inspiring and I don't have enough, you know, and like I said, like it's just I can't even express how thankful I am to have her into the podcast and it was so cool to hear her whole entire journey and, and just hear her thoughts and, and, her, and her insights. And um what's what what sucks the most about this actually in this interview was that we had some technical difficulties, all right. So with Skype, they only have one job and I don't know why they're not very good at their job. So we use Zoom and then I didn't record until probably a little bit afterwards. And so I want to let you guys know that I'm not going to go and, and, you know, you know, 
just delete this whole entire like episode or anything like that. It's just because like there's so much content with Valerie that I really wanted to share with you anyways. And I'm, and I'm sure if Valerie's listening to this, I know she understands as well too. And also prompts for a part two if you're listening to this, Valerie. So seriously, that'd be awesome. So anyways, guys, check out this episode with Valerie Grove. So homelessness, poverty, violence, abuse, neglect. And I was really frustrated seeing how little resources there were. So I was one social worker to a thousand kids, which is kind of impossible. If you've ever had a thousand clients, it's, um, it's insane. Yeah, it's insane. So I was getting really frustrated. And I, as much as I love that job, and at, at first I wanted to be there until I retired. I was like, this is a great fit for me. And I want to be here as long as I can. I realized there there must be a better way for me to have a bigger impact. So I was getting more frustrated, not sure what to do, kind of fell into coaching, um, kind of as like the half segue out of there. So I learned that I love coaching, um, which was similar to my work as a therapist, and started kind of doing that part-time, and then had the realization that what I really want to do is to build a boarding school for inner-city kids. So I eventually left my job working in the schools to work as a coach part-time and part-time to build what will be Chicago's first boarding school for inner city kids. And that kind of took on a life of its own. And so I kind of do all those things now. I still coach and work as a speaker and I have a new book, but the nonprofit is um, the bulk of my time. But it's been a crazy road um, over the past few years doing that. That's insane. That's insane. Like that's, you know... Where do I even start? Because like, you know, uh, like our mutual friend Heath has, has, you know, told me a little bit about you and I was just like, holy moly, she's amazing. And, and I'm curious to get your, I guess, perspective in terms of like, you know, you've done so much and so, and you're just such a giver. And from, you know, from what I understand, where, where did you even start? Like, where, where do you even start to like kind of map out the plans and like get it all up and running? Cause like I said, like it's, it's one thing to like have the vision, but another thing is like taking the action and going yeah. and build it towards yeah. like that part. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I had the idea pretty much from the very beginning. So it's been a dream okay. for almost like 11 or 12 years. So working with these awesome kids and I had the thought of like, we need a boarding school to give these kids a great education in a safe, nurturing, 24-7, wraparound, holistic environment. But I had the thought of how the hell do I actually do that, right? And yeah. I got my second master's to be um, in educational leadership. So the idea is that you can you know, run a school. And even after going through that experience, they don't teach you how to build a school from scratch. And they yeah. definitely don't teach you how to build a boarding school. So I had the idea for a long time and thought, this is crazy. I don't know if it's ever going to be possible, but it's not possible now. And if it ever is, it's going to be like a long time down the road when I'm retired and I have you know, extra time and money sitting around. So I had the idea that one day my legacy project would be building the school. And I actually went to a conference about, it'll be four years ago this summer, um, the same conference that Heath and I actually connected. And there was a speaker at the conference that changed my life. So it was Michael Hyatt, who is an author, entrepreneur, speaker, um, really smart guy. So Michael gets onto the stage and says that he consulted with an actuary before the event. And the actuary told him that based on the mortality tables, the audience of 2,000 people, two of us would die in the next 30 days. 
And when I heard that number, I just, it hit me like a wall of bricks. And I realized what I knew on some level that life is really short, but it really hit me that I really can't wait any longer. You know, there's never going to be the right time to do this. I'm never going to have money and time sitting around and I have to do it now. And what I love about what happened in that moment is I had this realization of no one knows how to do this. And because it was so big and the massive like magnitude and the audacity of it all, it almost kind of leveled the playing field. And I had the realization of no one knows how to do this, whether it's the mayor, the president, Oprah, there's no guidebook for this path. And so all those people could do is to pull together the right people and the right resources to make it happen. And in that moment, I kind of realized, well, if, if Oprah wouldn't know what to do, but all she could do is just get the right people together, I can do that too. And it, it kind of had this, if it makes sense, like the bigness of it all kind of leveled the playing field and made it seem almost more doable because there was no path. So Ooh. something about the magnitude of that crazy idea made me think, okay, I can actually do this. You know, you know who you remind me of? You remind me of Naveen Jain. Ever heard of him before? No, I ha- I don't. So like billionaire, he wanted to. He is actually right now. He's he wants to colonize the moon. Oh wow! The exact same thing you did, where where huh. it's like you know for whatever reason, if there's no competition, if your if your idea is as like you know as crazy and is out there, it just it just does level the playing field out, and it yeah. does feel like. <laughs> Like, you know what, I'm going to do this and I'm going to be, and doesn't, there's no reference point or anything like that. If it's right or wrong, you just do it. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it sounds crazy to anyone else listening to that story, but in that moment, it just, it all kind of crystallized and I had this moment of clarity. And from then on, I realized I don't have a choice anymore. I have to go home and do this. Um, it just kind of felt like a, a thing bigger than myself and yeah, it's been what I've been up that. to ever since. Thanks. I love that. How did you keep yourself, I guess, like, you know, reminded of that? Because like, like from that experience, from hearing that and that, that, that understanding that life and death is, and that time is very, you know, finite, it's not infinite. It, it's so easy to forget that when, when people operate in this place all the time where they think their time is, you know, forever or whatever it is that, you know, that it's going to be, oh, I want to deal with this tomorrow. I want to deal with this tomorrow. How did you stay grounded and stick to the vision and stick to like, I'm sure there's got to be like some resistance and mm-hmm. times where you probably wanted to like break down because like I had a near death experience where like, I feel like the same thing as you did, like, you know, time is super short. Mm-hmm. And, and I have this long lifelong dream of building like schools in like Asia and Africa for free, educating people on entrepreneurship and spirituality and so many different kinds of concepts and values that, that, you know, that can't be taught to machines, in mm-hmm. my opinion. Mm-hmm. I love so that the, idea, vision. I love it. But I was just curious, like, what is your, what was your, you know, how did you stick to like the plan and like, you know, and what was like the, the toughest speed bumps that you kind of had to roll over? Oh my gosh. There have been so many speed bumps and so many learning lessons. Like we could talk all day. Um, one of the first things that comes to mind, I think there's a couple of things, uh, kind of bigger umbrella categories. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I think is the importance of the people around you. Um, I've learned man, in, in every area kind of related to the school and just in my personal life, 
um, how important it is to be around people who are only adding value to your life. Yeah, true. And, and I'm, you know, I know you know this too, but that really focusing on that, I think can really change, um, change everything. And, uh, in making those conscious decisions, not just to cut out like people who are just total energy suckers and, you know, um, who bring negativity to the table. But I think just making a really purposeful effort about being around people who aren't just kind of neutral or yeah. kind of good, good enough, but like, who do I love to be around? Because again, life is short and there's only so many things that I can do with my time here. So choosing to be around those that really inspire me and light me up and just bring joy to my life. And when it comes to the nonprofit, I couldn't do this without so many other people, whether they're on our board or volunteers, or we've had these amazing opportunities, um, like collecting or um, sorry, connecting with celebrities that I never thought would be part of our world. But they've all kind of happened through just building our network and, and bringing those people together for this bigger vision. Yeah. And the importance of surrounding yourself with people who believe in your goal and who are going to work alongside you. I think when I first got started, I was very desperate to kind of bring on whoever wanted to be a part of this. And it mm -hmm. seemed so big and I thought I can't do it alone. And so anyone who had the like littlest inkling of, interest I thought okay cool join my team I need you like a sense of desperation yeah and I soon realized it's better to have one person who's all in than 25 who are kind of like there a little bit um but who are going to fall off when things get hard so mm -hmm. I've learned to kind of find the nonprofit version of the higher slow fire fast mentality yeah. um to only work with people who really hold that same vision and to trust my, my gut instinct on that. Yeah. Um, so being around amazing people, um, part two, like the, the second big bucket I think is taking care of myself and it's hard. I work really crazy hours because I want to, for the most part, like no one's telling me that I have to, but I love this work. Yeah. So I wanted to do that. But being really purposeful about time for me, um, time with friends, like working out, meditation. Um, I love doing things by myself. Like I love like traveling alone and yep, having like same. alone days, right? Oh my gosh, it's the best. <laughs> like, and I love my, my friends and my family and people. But I think there's something about those solo days that are just like looking back over the last year, my favorite days often are like just me walking around Chicago by myself or walking around a new city. Um, I think you just take in the world in a more observant way and you're so much more present to your surroundings when you're just you taking things in. I love that. You know, I, Valerie, I love that. I love your energy. I love your, you know, your, your, the reason why I asked this, it's just because like, you know, I want to spark people who are listening to this podcast episode to, 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 to step up to the plate all the time, because I have a lot of conversations with people, my peers, people, whenever I have the time, I take time to, you know, just to hear people out and stuff. And, and the biggest thing that comes up is like, whenever they're faced with something gigantic and ginormous as like, as similar as you, sometimes they give up. Sometimes they kind of blow out the plan. They're going to hope that someone else is going to do it. Um, and, and, and I just want to like, just to hear your thoughts on that. Right. So like if you were, did, did I lose you? Yeah, I'm here. Hello. Did I, did I lose you? For no, I can hear you. Hello. 
It's so weird. Like it's like a static noise. Okay, um, I'm here. <laughs> did I lose you? Hello? No, Hello? I'm here. Oh, okay, okay. I hear you now. Okay, that's okay. weird. It's, it's like static weird noise. Okay. Um, <laughs> I guess, I guess, like where what I wanted to get your opinion on is that is if you were to, you know, a, a twenty-one year old, twenty-two year old, were come, mm-hmm. to come up to you and be like, Valerie, like, what do I do? You know, like I have this like vision. I want to do this and this and this. What kind of advice or resource would you direct them to, or, or you know, anything that you can help them out mm-hmm. with? Oh yeah, so many things. Um, I think it's it's those two things that I just mentioned, first of all. So kind of building your tribe and being around people who are smarter than yeah. you. Um, finding mentors is also really, really important. Um, in addition to the people who actually kind of, kind of work on this cause with me and who volunteer and are supporters and donors, I think my most valuable connections have been people who aren't a part of the organization but who just kind of work with me personally and who are my personal mentors and advisors. Um, I don't know if I could do this without those people. And I, I talk to a lot of friends who don't work in the entrepreneur world. And I think most people don't have that. And I think that everyone needs to have mentors and advisors. Like, I don't care if you're a teacher or owner on business or work in corporate or you're a doctor, like everyone needs those people who they can call on. And so I have, I've just developed a lot of people that I can call on for different things, whether it's. I need tactical advice or I need you to be blunt with me and tell me the truth about where I'm screwing up or I need yeah. to cry and I need you to tell me it's going to be okay and motivate <laughs> me going. Like I have a handful of different people that I can call on for different things and that has been priceless. So that would be one of my first techniques or, or, or tips is to have those people and to find those people. I think to do something really big it just can't be done when it's just you, right? Like you will eventually hit walls if it's just you as an island. But when you can build your support system and you have people to call on um, that believe in you and encourage you and motivate you and hold you accountable, that's when amazing things can be possible. And I think, I think it's just asking. I think so often we're scared to make the ask. And what I found from a lot of my mentors is that they have thanked me for being a part of the process. Like I'll email them like, oh my gosh, by the way, like you mean so much to me. Like you saved the day yesterday. Um, And and they say the same thing back to me. Like this is a joy to be a part of this work with you. And so I think it goes both ways and remembering that. Um, So for someone starting off to not think about like I'm I'm bothering them or I'm asking for something and I can't give back to them. It's definitely a two-way street. And I'll tell you, like you mentioned a 21-year-old, I wish I'd had that when I was 21. You know, like I didn't figure that out until, you know, 10 years after that. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not too late, but I wish that I knew those things when I was younger. You, me both. Like, you know, the reason why I asked that is just because I do come across a lot of 22-year-olds that are, 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 are you know, they always say they're not sure what they want to do. Um, they have this giant looming debt over them. Yeah. They have... Um, no, there's a, there's a lot of issues around the world that are just being swept under the rug or just not being talked about all the time, right? Like, mm-hmm. like you know, it, it's 
it's mind-boggling because like imagine people not having that debt and the amount of time that the people are, are allowed to be given to go and and better themselves and learn about different concepts by traveling alone for example like that's something that i've done personally myself where i've learned a lot about myself right like people don't have the opportunity to travel by themselves or even travel at all because um they have this fifty thousand dollar debt because they got this giant piece of paper from like a university yeah. that realistically they're working with flipping burgers and trying to pay this off because they're nothing in their field that that that, you know like that's offered in their jobs like Mm -hmm. what can we do right so it's like so i feel like it's a sense of duty for me as well to you considering i'm a millennial where it's like where can we go and where can we start this and where can we ask the right questions and and the advice and i love your advice on terms of like you know finding mentors and like being surrounded by like-minded people like i'm here in toronto and 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 it's super important when i first started when i was working a corporate nine-to-five job I hated it. I dreaded it. I sold insurance to like pensioners. You always hear stories about their regrets at the time. And I knew I wanted to be something more than, than, than a poster boy. Right. And so I, I actively sought out after like meetings and meetups and everything like that, entrepreneurs and stuff. And, and it's so hard to like filter out through all of this because like you meet so many like people that are driven, but sometimes not even your vibe either. Right. Yeah. yeah and I think it, The more you put yourself out there, the more your network of amazing people just kind of expands to include more amazing people. Um, So uh, just like four years ago, I worked in the schools and I only knew teachers. I had no network. And since then, I've built my network to include um, everyone that I wanted in the way that like one of my role models was Arnie Duncan, who is famous for being the former secretary of education, um, worked under Obama in his cabinet. And Arnie was a guy that I wanted to get an endorsement from. Um, he loved yeah. the boarding school idea and that was his big platform for a long time. So to me, Arnie was kind of on a pedestal, like talk to Arnie, talk to Arnie. And Arnie is now a supporter of ours, gave us an endorsement. Um, we've Oof. gotten, you know, again, like celebrities on our corner, on our, on our, on our team. Um, anyone is reachable. I found that to be the case. And that's another lesson that I don't think people get a chance to realize because you don't realize that until you really throw yourself out there. Um, but I am the best example of that because I knew nobody four years ago and I'm also an introvert too. So it's not easy for me to get out there and go to events and meetings all day. So if I can do it, anyone can do it. You know, that, that, that always makes me want to ask you about networking. Like, what is that like? What is like mm-hmm. any tips or any like, you know, cons- like things that people kind of blow it sometimes, yeah. you know, I, I, I care a lot about this because like you and I both know that, you know, our, that saying where you're like your network is your net worth, right? Like it doesn't matter about monetary value. It's all about the how you make people yeah. feel is what's important. Mm-hmm. Any, um, any tips or hacks that whoever's yeah, listening to Yeah, I, I think pick it's up? about finding what works for you. Because when I started, I thought that networking was going to networking events. And so I live in Chicago and there's like meetups and, you know, networking happy hours. And I hated those events. Um, I felt like they were all meat markets. First of all, like people were just trying to go and find (laughs) dates. Like it was a professional and I just got frustrated and I felt like I was wasting my time or doing it wrong. And I realized that's just not the scene for me and I connect better one-on-one. Um, I don't like the big party settings. I don't do as well in bigger groups, um, but I like to connect one-on-one. 
So I love to sit down with one person and have lunch or coffee and learn about them and their life and who they mm -hmm. are and to feel like I can go deeper than just small talk. And then yeah. that one-on-one -on -one always inevitably leads to more people that they know, oh, you should meet so-and-so and so-and-so. And it grows from there. So I think it's I just kind of finding what methodology works for you. I love that. We're going to shift gears a little bit. I'm curious, what have you been uh, passionate about lately? Any projects that you got going on where you're like, you can't sleep? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, and I was actually the, the networking thing I was thinking too on the tail end of that. I think networking can feel really forced um, and really inauthentic. But I think when you are operating from a sense of passion and just a pure interest in something, that's when it starts to click. And I look at networking now as kind of like finding different puzzle pieces. And it's so fun when you do have a bigger vision that you're working toward and you see the puzzle pieces kind of fitting together, but you didn't even have all the pieces yesterday and you don't even know what the picture looks like in the end. So to me, it's just kind of an exciting, like, um, like a, not like an obstacle course. Like what is it called where you're like trying to find the pieces? Um, scavenger hunt. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> scavenger hunt. <laughs> so it feels really fun. So to me now looking at yeah, yeah. that way, networking feels like, like I love it. Like it's, it's the most fun part of this in a lot of ways. Um, so the kind of combining your last question and the new question. Um, so yeah, I'm passionate about a lot of things that, um, everything with my nonprofit is fun because it's scary and new and so the same parts that terrify me sometimes are also what I love. Um, but I don't know what the next day is going to bring or what's around the corner. Mm -hmm. um, so that's so fun. Um, I love my coaching practice. I was just thinking today, man, I, I'm very lucky. I have incredible clients who are doing the coolest things in the world. And I... I'm going to sound so cheesy, but I just have like legitimate love for my clients. Like I love them. Like I love, I love my like best friends and family. Like they're just, I love that. they're just, yeah, they're amazing. Um, I've been doing a lot of cool things kind of combining those two worlds recently. So kind of combining the work mm -hmm. that I do as a coach with um, the nonprofit and kind of weaving that together for some speaking projects that have been fun for me. Um, I wrote a book, a couple months ago, it came out a couple months ago, and that's been kind of a cool thing too. Um, I never thought I would be an author, and it's just been a cool experience to go through the process and to see how it works. Um, so that's been really cool too. And I guess non professionally, um, yeah, a lot of things. Great question. Um, like going to new places is always a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Got a lot of new oh, yeah. places this year. You know, uh, there's so many things I want to touch on, you know, on this because um, I, I can hear your passion and energy from that. And, and, and I'm curious to know in terms of coaching, you know, I'm in a place right now where, where it means a lot to me. It's to redefine what it means to be a man recently more than ever mm -hmm. before. And, and I study a lot from like Lewis Howes. I'm not sure you're not familiar yeah. with him, but Lewis Howes. Um, different other people as well too on like this kind of place and topic and 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 I get a lot of questions and like you know what like coaching and, and stuff like that what in, in your opinion I want to know what makes a good coach mm. I thought you were going to say what makes a, 
what makes a real man? <laughs> it's like, I can go there too. You can go um, there too if you want. <laughs> well, I, it's funny because I thought you were going to ask a question around that. Um, and and what, what I was thinking about was I just had a call with a, a client before now around empathy and and kind of expressing expressing those parts of ourselves that we often don't want to express. Um, and I think that's a part that for men can often be kind of covered up or not given enough attention. But I think that applies to everybody. I think, I think we all go through life kind of with this facade on of, sure. you know, life is great and how are you? Oh, I'm good. But really everyone's struggling in their own ways. Um, you know, of course, the social media facade that we all kind of have. And yeah. one, one thing that I try and do um, is I, I like to self-disclose with my clients and on social media about the fact that I work as a coach. And so I have what I think is a, an ability to really support my clients and to encourage them and to see their blind spots in a way that they can't always see. But I still have my own beliefs that I'm working through and my own challenges that I'm working through. And I still have days where I want to lie on the floor and give up. And I think, so that's, I think one aspect of, of coaching that I like to see and the coaches that I work with is where there's that level of authenticity um, and openness around, you know, it's, this is, this is how I've gotten through this experience um, I think there, there can be this idea of, I think some coaches kind of fall into the mentality of like, this is me leading and the client follows mm. and not having this yeah. like symbiotic two way street relationship. Um, mm. but I think that self-disclosure piece is really important. And I think both parties can benefit from that kind of relationship, um, where you can kind of walk someone through like, this is how I've struggled in the past and this is how I'm trying to still work through it and how this is an ongoing process for me too. Um, so I think there's so many things that go into a great coach, but that's, I think something that we often don't see as much of. Whew. Valerie dropping value bombs left <laughs> and right. I love that, you know, because you know, that, that to me shows how much you care and and that you're willing to to learn yourself as well too you're right like i i would never take coaching from like at, like for my health if the person's not healthy themselves like that to me is like wrong you know and 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 so i love that i love your what like you know the the disclosure everything it's so beautiful and i love that and i that's only that's the only place where i can see and i that where i can operate only and and so like you know since you were prepared for it I'm like I'm curious to know like, and get your opinions on like what is your definition of like a man and like what is, does it mean to be a man in today's modern context now? Yeah, well, I, I kind of touched on it. I think the word that came to mind at first was um, empathy, intimacy, and communication, which is like I guess three words, uh, and 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 being willing to be vulnerable. I think that that's often the missing link that we see um, where I think men and women both equally struggle with that in different times and different places in our lives. But for so long, we've, we've not allowed men to, to feel like they can express themselves. 
And I think mm. that lends to so many of the challenges that we have in, in romantic relationships and friendships kind of in the business world too. Um, and, and I think that when men can, can bring that level of vulnerable communication to the table, then beautiful things happen. I love that. You know, I agree with you. And, and I, it comes from a place of operating from both masculine and feminine mm-hmm. um, energy in both men and women as well, too. I firmly believe in today now, like, you know, when you're ever in a relationship with someone, if you're able to kind of tap into both spectrums, whether you're a man or a woman, I think that that kind of comes up with like empathy, understanding, and knowing that there's communication like, hey, I do, I do legitimately understand. And uh, most men don't have that, 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 concept in their heads because i guess because like i personally feel like they were inherited like they they've they've inherited it all from like you know their forefathers and stuff like that because like warrior days it used to be like that but in today's modern context is the way they were brought up and they weren't too sure how to deal with it and i meet a lot of men in this place where it's like they want to cry but they can't they, for whatever reason, they, 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 it's a mechanism. I've seen this literally happen. Like I had a conversation with a man. He's going through like a lot of relationship troubles and, and he legitimately, like his eyes wanted to water up, but he couldn't cry. He just put his head up and, and kind of just, just sucked it all in. Like it was so hard and there's no outlet. And this is, I firmly believe that this is actually the issue and why men are a lo- little bit more aggressive because it's, it's almost it's almost as if like they, this is all they know and this is what they were taught. And these are like the automatic mechanisms that are in play to do that. And so fascinating. That's why it's so important. And I'm so fascinated because I'm learning through this myself as well too. Like I cry now more often than I can count. <laughs> Crying's great. <laughs> yeah. No, I agree. But it, it, it's, it's, it's such an interesting time because it doesn't work in today's modern context of being hard and strong in a man and, Whatever that means now, it's, it's, you really have to redefine that more than ever before. Well, thank you for being a part you know, of the movement to shift that conversation. I think that's important. <laughs> it is important because like, you know, I too like, do not want to be a statistic myself, me personally, myself. I do not want to be part of the divorce statistics or anything whatsoever. And I want to be make it, like, I want to make it, um, I want to be everything that I can be to be representing that. Um, I'm curious now to get to your thoughts on, you know, something that, you know, you were struggling with like a, a tipping point where they really, really had to really test, test out your tenacity and, and your, and, and just keep going and stuff like that. Can you actually paint us a picture of a moment that it really tipped over for you? Oh, great question. Oh, hmm. I mean, there's been, there's been a lot of, of obstacles. There's been millions of obstacles. One moment is not coming to me necessarily. Um, throughout, well, I'm thinking kind of in terms of the past couple of years. But I will tell you, actually, you just mentioned divorce. Um, I am divorced. And so going back kind of a few years before that, that was definitely a major tipping for me Mm -hmm. and I'm I wouldn't wish that process on anybody but I'm really thankful for going through it and I think it made me who I am today which sounds so cheesy but it it absolutely did it made me so firm in 
what I think I deserve, um, what I'm willing to stand for, what are my non-negotiables. And um, yeah, I'm incredibly grateful for that experience. Like it's one of my like top five things that I'm most grateful for in my life. So I think it's, it's like, yeah, but then the question is like, how can, how can someone else experience that transformative process without having to go through a sucky divorce? Right. I was going to ask you, yeah, I was going to ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) I think if I had to, and what a hard question to answer. Um, I think the closest thing I can come up with though, is just constantly challenging yourself in other ways. So part of what led to my divorce was a couple of years prior, I learned to be a runner and I ran my first marathon. And when I was a kid, I was totally inept at running and totally unathletic. So running a marathon, as I know it does for a lot of people, was kind of this metaphor of like, oh my God, I thought it was literally impossible, like completely, absolutely impossible, but I did it. And it kind of opened my eyes to what else is possible and what else am I capable yeah. of. And so there, I've always seen this direct tie between my first marathon and, and having the courage to get divorced. And so I think to find other things like that to really challenge ourselves, I'm a huge believer and like always do, be doing things that are really scary for you, whether that yeah. is a marathon or um, – you know, giving a TED talk or being in improv classes or going skydiving or what have you, always doing things that are hard for you that kind of excite you, but also that kind of scare the hell out of you at the same time. I think we grow that way. And like my younger self would think this is all crazy because I was just the biggest scaredy cat, fearful, shy kid. So I had to learn the power of doing those things and, and pushing ourselves. So I think the more you're able to do those hard things and to realize I did this hard thing and now I know this, I know that I'm that much stronger and more resilient than before. That's the best way of learning that lesson without having to, to get a divorce. I think. Do you think that all this can be well prevented beforehand? Like, you know, like in terms of a relationship, Valerie? Uh, what is this specifically the so, question? So like if you're headed towards divorce, of, can it be prevented? Yeah. Like, like in terms of like divorce and stuff like that, because like I said, like, you know, it, it's because of this, because of like, you know, a lot of my peers, a lot of like, you know, people, they're, they're, they're afraid of commitment now, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. after seeing like the divorce numbers and everything like that, like a lot of my friends who would say like, you know what, oh, oh you know what, I'm, I'm together with her, but you know what? Or, or like, you know, she, she would say like, you know, oh, I'm together with him, but like, we don't really want to, don't know yet, you know, I'm not, not really too sure, kind of like hesitating a little bit in terms of like getting married nowadays. And I personally feel like, I'm an, I'm an old school kind of guy. Like I believe in marriage and everything like that. I just want to find out if like, if there's anything that we can do to like prevent it to like before, like even that happening, like, you know, kind of like Terminator kind of stop preventing judgment day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, great question. I, I think it comes down to knowing yourself and loving yourself before being in that relationship. And I didn't, okay. I didn't have that before I got married. That kind of came for me after I was married. Okay. And so I think the the better people can 
learn who they are and to feel good about themselves without someone else, that that's, that's, that's absolutely going to help you to find the right person without that. I think, yeah, there's not much that you can do. And I think your, your odds are high of getting a divorce if you do get married without having that foundation in place. Mm. And that's where I think mm. a lot of the divorces come from. You know, I have, I've, I have this weird theory that it, a part of it, and like, I want to like, you know, I'm not, I'm single by the way, but like, I want, if my next relationship, there has to be something where it's like, I call it like extreme communication where it's like, there is the space for you to like, because it's uh, potentially it is someone you're spending your whole entire life with. Right. And, and there has to be a space for you to like speak freely in a sense without like, no, I guess kind of judgment or something like that. And I know that's tough because like in men, we're going back to the whole men thing. It's like, they don't feel like they can't communicate. They can't like, you know what I mean? Like it's just because they're, they're warriors and some, some crazy crap like that. And, and I'm just a very fascinated with this right now because it's just, to me, like, you know, extreme communication, like some things, like I look in a lot of my, like my friend's relationships, I'm like, you know, it could have been prevented by a simple, Hey, you know what? I think we need to talk. Mm-hmm. Instead of the man just kind of bottling up and walking away and going for a run or a walk or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like I said earlier, I think just that vulnerable communication pieces is really important. I think there's, and there's so many things, right? The relationship topic yeah. is, is like a whole nother conversation. Like it's, Yeah. I know, but, um, shifting gears a little bit, you know, I'm curious to know, you know, what's been, um, you know, who has been like your you know, biggest influence in your life? Hmm. Oh, um, I think kind of on a, on a more like within my inner circle level, a lot of those mentors that I mentioned, um, my parents for sure have have been hugely supportive and inspired me but so they were kind of all like my initial role models um they've just always prioritized like giving back and and doing important work that impacts others um but my my mentors like those are the people that i call on um i don't know what i'd do without them and Mm -hmm. They, these are all people who have done just really amazing things within their personal life and their professional life and who I just have a lot of admiration for. So no one like whose names you would know, um, but just people who that I personally just have a lot of respect for. I love it. You know, I wanted to be very respectful of your time and everything like that. And I wanted to ask you two more questions before we wrap things yeah. up. Um, but before we do that, you know, I want to say, you know, thank you so much, Valerie, for like everything that you do. Honestly, like it's just been an inspiration chatting with you. It's been so fun and I love what you do and I love the insights and hearing everything like, you know, you know that you're building towards. And I'm so excited to see, you know, what you do from like in the here on out and into the future. So thank you so much for doing that. Yeah, thank you. You know, if those path hunters who want to like find you online or like stalk you online or anything like that, where do you usually hang out? Uh, I am pretty active on Instagram. Um, I like it over there better than Facebook or Twitter. So I'm on Instagram, which is just my name. So Valerie Groth, which is G-R-O-T-H. I love Instagram. Uh, My personal website for my coaching and speaking is ValerieGroth.com. My nonprofit is RyanBanksAcademy.org. 
um, the nonprofit. Yeah. We also have GoFundMe. So if anyone's interested in supporting a great cause, they can learn more. Yes. And that is linked through the RBA website. And then my book is available on both websites and also on Amazon. I love it. I'm going to link all this into the show notes as well too. So in case if anybody wants to find it and then I just followed you on Instagram and I love your photos and everything. I like, I like the, the coffee and like the inspiration <laughs> photo one. It's nice. Um, you know, Valerie, this is called the path hunters podcast. And if you, when you ever hear the term path hunters, what, um, what comes to mind? I, I think it's that piece that I touched on earlier of, finding, making sure that your path is so big, it, it does kind of scare you, but also fires you up at the same time. I found that goals are goals um, and all goals are great. But when your goal and your dream and your vision is so big and powerful that it seems almost impossible and you combine that with just a crazy undying passion and persistence that that's when anything is possible. It's kind of like an alchemist um, that phrase that the universe conspires to help you. I've I've seen that happen. Um, I've yeah. just I've seen those serendipitous, synchronistic things happen in the world that I never thought were possible. Um, and that happens, I think, not just when you're on a path, but when you're on like a path that's bigger than you. So whatever that is for you, you know, it's not going to be building a boarding school for everyone, but whether it's something, you know, within your personal life that inspires you or your professional life or a cause that you care about, I think it's just like having that big, bold vision. Um, and, and like the, I don't know what it is, but I think to me that bigness is important. Is that even a word bigness? Like I just, that's what I, what I <laughs> yes, call it for it some reason. Right. Um, but like <laughs> there's something about something really audacious that I think kind of like makes the magic happen. I love it. And I love the alchemist. Like I have a copy of it here right now. Like I literally just read yeah. through it again. Oh, good. And good um, I'm a huge fan of, of the alchemist. Um, so pretend you're in like a busy street and you're walking down the sidewalk, you rush hour, you see so many people walking by and I'm going to paint you this picture. You have a cardboard sign or, or, you know, that you're able to write one message or advice to impact all these people's lives in a positive way. What kind of message or advice would it be? Oh my and gosh. Why? <laughs> so I hate you for asking that question. It's the kind of question that I would ask my clients and I'm <laughs> to hear it. Cause I'm like, I need to go home and think about it and like journal for five hours. And okay. Um, Hmm. I think it's kind of a compilation of all of the things that I've been spewing about is like find your possible dream and make it possible. Sorry, I, you kind of broke up for a second there. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's okay. I said I would kind of put together a compilation of all the things that I've said. And I think it would, it would say find your impossible dream and make it possible. Are you there? Can you hear me? Okay, am I? Am I? Yeah, clear? I, uh, well, I think you were cutting out for a second. Mm -hmm. Say it for a third time. Uh oh, where'd you go? Okay, did I lose you? Are you here? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, perfect, perfect. Okay, sorry, I could cut off again. So, sorry. Do it again. That. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think my sign would just say 
to find your impossible dream and make it possible. I love it. You know, it, it's, I appreciate you so much for, you know, coming out to the podcast. It means a lot to me that you did that. And uh, Valerie, I'm so excited to see how everything unfolds for you. I'm excited. And uh, honestly, this could be prompt for a part two later on in life. No. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for having me on. It was fun. <laughs> Same here. Well, we'll catch you on the flip side, Valerie, and uh, have yourself a great one. Take care. See ya. And guys, that was Valerie. Honestly, thank you so much, Valerie, for just jumping into the podcast with me. It just means so much that you did that. And I love how you're just paving the way and just going out there and going and just just setting the example. And we need more people like you. And just like I said, like we are in a point where in time where negativity is so much, it's shown such a giant light over it. And I don't like that. Positivity needs to be louder. Path Hunters, we're going to do this together. I know we can. Anyways, guys, I'll catch you guys on the flip side. Have yourself a great one. Take care. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Remember to subscribe, share, and review. Thank you for taking the time for listening to this podcast. You can always find me at pathhunters.com. Stay awesome and know that you can become a Path Hunter today.